Amen. Well, thank you. It is such a privilege to be back here with you this morning, uh, to be speaking to you, uh, and to be just sharing our heart uh, with you this morning. Can I uh, just make one more little announcement? We have, I thought I brought one up here, but no, I lost it somewhere. Uh, We have these little fridge magnets. Uh, They're at the back. There's a little table outside in the foyer with a Turkish flag on it and then a couple little dishes. And in the dishes are a bunch of fridge magnets. And this is our team's prayer and vision for what we believe God wants to do in Turkey in the future. Uh, There is coming, by the end of this year, there will be 22 ACOP workers in Turkey. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Praise God. Come on. This is exciting. So we got together and we started praying, God, what do you want to do in this place? What's your vision for this place? We've, uh, my family's been there for two years. The sad truth about Turkey is in that two years, there are less Christians today than there were two years ago. And two years ago, there was very few. It would be, uh, it would be as if all of Saskatchewan had one church of 30 people in it. That's how many Christians are in Turkey. It's the same sort of numbers. And today, there's less than there was two years ago. And so we were praying, God, what do you want to do? Because we believe God has a plan for this place. We believe God's already moving in this place. We believe God wants to do tremendous things in this place. And we started to pray it through. God, what do you want to do in this place? And we came up with a vision. And it is a full-on impossible vision. So on our fridge magnets, it says that it's got a little picture of the map of Turkey, and, uh, and it says pray. And underneath, it has these numbers, 32 and 5. And we're believing for 32 churches in the next five years in Turkey. I want to tell you that in every way, this is impossible. It's impossible. Today, there's less Christians than there were two years ago. But with God, this is just scratching the surface of what he wants to do in this place. I want to tell you that for us, this is impossible. But as we team up together, you are a huge part of making this happen. We need you to pray for this. Can you grab one of those fridge magnets? I'll only charge you $300 a piece for them. A few laughs. That was supposed to be funny. Uh, You can grab a fridge magnet. They're free. Put it on your fridge. Please pray for us. When you look at it, pray even that we would have the faith to believe for this because it's huge. I need the faith to believe for it. I want to thank you so much for your prayers over the past couple years. God is doing amazing things. And God is going to do more amazing things in this place. The second and last announcement, quickly, we're looking for a couple more financial partners. Uh, there's many people from this church, and this church uh, as a unit is, is supporting us financially and partnering with us, and we thank you so much. We are looking for four more people at $50 a month to support us, and uh, then we're done for the summer, and I can quit making this announcement, which would be great. Can we pray one more time? Is that okay? I know we already prayed, but let's try again. It's really good. Dear Jesus, thank you so much. Thanks that you love us. Thanks that you're with us this morning. Thanks that your presence is in this very place. That is an incredible thought. The God of the universe, this king who's created this entire place, takes time to come and hang out with us in Moose Jaw on Sunday morning. Wow, you are amazing. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Should we get to the word? Maybe I should keep telling stories. They don't want to get to the word. Anybody kind of have their brain at Kettleston already this morning? Because that's sort of where I wish I was. Not that I don't like being here, but that, you know, something about there. Anyway, you got me. Sorry. If you have your Bibles, 
Turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to read a very famous, famous is the wrong word, common. We all know this story. It's, it's been read. You've heard it taught. Uh, are we allowed to be honest this morning in church? Is that okay? Anybody have parts of the Bible they don't really like? A couple. I thought we were going to be honest this morning. This is a part of the Bible that I just don't really like. It's just like, it's, it, some people really like it, which is why it's famous. And part of me just doesn't like it. Uh, can we throw that PowerPoint up if you got it? Uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It goes like this. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Okay, can we pause there? Anyone feel like a, maybe a bit more of a type A personality? Like a detail sort of person? Anybody? Is this anybody here? Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you that that's a bad thing. Someone's got to prepare the meal. You know, like I'm hungry already. I, knew, I would like someone prepare. And if I got to wherever I'm going and it's the meal's not, I'm like, come on. Who was in charge of the meal in this place? I kind of feel like as a, my life, I like to have a job, and here's how it gets done, and I do it, and there's the detail, and I'm, hmm. I can, Martha's like, come on, why don't you tell Mary? Just, I need some help. Like, the buns need to be cut, Jesus, come on. How did Jesus respond to her? Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all the details. And I'm thinking, yeah, the tomatoes need to be cut. You know, who's going to wash the broccoli this morning? Come on. So are we getting worked up? I don't like this verse. Here we go. Verse 42. Jesus continues, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's read that verse again. Jesus said, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. First off, Jesus isn't calling Martha a sinner here. He's not saying, hey, don't cut the bonds. You're doing terrible things. But he's saying this. There is one thing that's actually much better than what you're doing. And Mary found it. And you know what it is? It's sitting at my feet, just like she's doing. This thing that she's doing right here, this is way better. She found it. It's not going to be taken from her. You know, we live in a busy world, right? Busyness is important, isn't it? Like, if I ask you, how are you doing? How's your week? You'd be like, it was busy. And when you say that, you don't mean like it was just, you, you kind of wear that as a badge, don't you? Like, yeah, it was busy. I'm important. Don't we? We do this, right? God's busy this week. Look at me. Yeah. And then if you said to me, Danny, hey, how was your week? And I was like, well, I slept until three most afternoons. <laughs> oh, 
I watched Gilmore Girls on Netflix, binge the whole thing. It's really good. Have you had time to check? Oh, you're busy. You should check it out. It's really fun. You're judging me if I say that. You're judging me now, and I'm not even saying that I did that. You know, you're like, this guy needs to, okay, that went too far. I should be more busy than that. Okay, that was a bit too far. But we like to be busy. We value busy. This is, busyness is important. And yet, Jesus is saying there's one thing that's maybe better. It's not busyness. It's sitting. It's right here. It's not cutting the buns and making sure the chicken's together and, and getting all the fixings and peeling the pot- It's just right here. And maybe this, sitting at my feet, not busy, connecting, this is better. When I was, uh, when I was like 17, I grew up in Regina. I was at the Regina Apostolic Church. And when I was like 17, we brought in this big-time prophetic minister. He, I can't remember his name. He was from the States, big American guy. And, and he came, and he didn't know anyone in the church. And he ministered on the weekend. It was awesome. And then on the Monday night, he, uh, the leaders of the church got together, and he was going to prophesy over all of them. And I was kind of helping out with the youth group, so I got to go. And I was super excited. And this guy's got this big-time prophetic thing. He doesn't know anyone. The first couple, he calls up. He calls them up. And he's like, can you guys come forward? I got a word for you. And he gives them this word, and it is like bang on. Like he is reading their mail. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but I have immense fear. This guy knows everything about me. Oh my gosh. Oh no, don't look at me. Anybody ever been here where you're just like, oh no, if he can see everything that's in my life, he, he knows every sin I've ever committed. Please don't look at me. So I started repenting, as any normal human would do in this situation. <laughs> he carries on. He's prophesying over different people. And it's just like, man, bang on and really good and all this stuff. And I'm just, Lord, clean my heart. Oh, Father. And eventually he comes to me. He's like, young man. I'm like, oh, no. He's like, I only have one thing to say to you. And I thought, well, that sounds good because I've got lots of sin and he's only going to pick out one. I'm like, okay, what is it? And he said this. He looks at me. He said, young man, he said, stop trying so hard. And then he moved on. And I thought, how could this guy be so right about everyone else and so wrong about me? Like, it's amazing. He got everyone right. And me? Stop trying so hard. What are you talking about? Like, part of how I show God I love him is I work for him. Like, anyone done those, like, love languages things? One of mine is acts of service. And so part of how I show God that I love him is I help out and I do stuff and I work hard for him. And I'm going, this is what I'm doing for God. Like, look at me. And he's like, stop trying so hard? Come on, man. I want to say for 20 years I've hated that idea, that prophecy. 20 years. Never forgot it. Hated it. Thought, I can't believe how wrong that guy is. And yet here's Jesus. Mary's discovered something that's better. Mary's discovered the one thing that's better. I started thinking this a couple years ago, like, is there more to experiencing God than what I, I have? Like, can I, can I be closer 
to God. If we look at the, the next uh, chapter, Luke chapter 11, just a little bit further down, uh, if you want to go to the next slide, verse 9 says this. Jesus says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. He says, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And the idea is this. If I want to experience God in my life, Jesus has promised me that if I just knock on the door of heaven a little bit, he will open that door to experiencing his presence. Now, here's the reality. God is everywhere. We know it is. We, we know he is. We know that he's in this room. And intellectually, that just makes sense to us. If he's God, he's everywhere, of course. And yet, feeling his presence is a bit different. Experiencing his presence is different than that. It's not just the knowledge of the, the God that's everywhere. It's this inside thing where God is actually touching me, where I can physically feel him somehow, where emotions are changing as he's bringing his presence in. I want to ask you, when's the last time you experienced God? Not understood that he was around, but felt his presence. For some of you, maybe it was this morning. For some of you, maybe uh, before you came to church, you did your devotions and the presence of God was there. Praise the Lord. For some of you, it's been years since you've experienced the Lord. And Jesus is saying this. You know what? Do you want to experience me? He says this. If you seek me, you will find me. The implication is God wants to be found. He's, it's a promise. If you knock on the door of heaven, I will open it for you. I used to pastor a church in Calgary, and my prayer life, you know, I, I, I prayed, and, and you got a list. Anyone have a prayer list? Nobody's got a prayer list. I had a prayer list. When you pastor a church long enough, there's a lot of people you don't like in your church, so you got to pray hard against them. No, that's not true, but God, you know, there's lots of stuff going on with people, right? And so you're praying, God, you know, and we need you to move in this person's life. God, the, this is going wrong. I don't know, can you come move in there? And then you're doing lots. You got like another service, and so you're like, God, uh, can you come and show up at this service? And oh, God, we're doing that outreach. God, come do this. And I'm doing a bunch of knocking, like, God, we need you. And then I walk away, and Jesus is opening the door, and he's like, I'm here. Where'd you go? I thought you wanted to hang out. And I'm walking away like, look at me, I prayed. Woo! Look at me, I'm spiritual. Yeah, I prayed today. Mm. And Jesus is like, there's so much more. You're missing it. Like, you could experience me. I opened the door, and you walked away. And I wish part of that was a joke. But it isn't at all. I mean, I'd pray and I'd actually like proudly wear my prayer like, ooh, 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 come on. And I wasn't experiencing the Lord. I was just praying. And Jesus isn't, don't get this wrong. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't come to God with your list. These are all very good things. I'm just saying Mary discovered something that was even better than that. And it's not going to be taken away from her. It won't be taken away from her. 
I started looking around at the Bible and, and at the different characters in the Bible and wondering, like, how did they experience God? What does that look like? Anybody know who Beth Moore is? Beth Moore? She wrote a book called To Live Is Christ. It's really good. In her book, it says this. You want to flick uh, next? She says this, trying to know God and serve him before we come to love him is exhausting. This is true. This is wise. There's another young kind of up-and-coming writer. His name's Charles Spurgeon. He wrote this. Faith is the road, but communion with Jesus is the well from which the pilgrim drinks. I want to tell you I've walked the road of faith a lot, and I've walked it thirsty. Like, I've walked it faithfully. Like, I've been like, I will walk this road. But if the well from which the pilgrim drinks is, is communion with Jesus, I've been thirsty. I started to look at the Bible characters and how they experience God and thinking, you know, maybe there's something within this. These Bible characters experienced God. They didn't just have this understanding that he was everywhere and this sort of knowledge of who he was. They experienced him. If we look at like Ezekiel, Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3 has this vision. And there are heads and there are eyes and there are wheels and it's entirely bizarre. And at the end of this vision, he is flat out on his face beside a creek for seven days. Can you imagine if the presence of God showed up like that here this morning and someone came up for prayer and we pray and you were just like down here. And then whoever's the custodian at about two o'clock's like, well, come on, man. I gotta go for lunch. I'm locking the door. And then Pastor Steve comes in on Monday morning. You're still just down there. And Tuesday, well, I tell you, there'd be a mess here. He experienced God. Jeremiah, Jeremiah had tons of experiences with God, really cool ones. One of my favorite ones, he is having this vision, this detailed prophetic thing, and it goes through the whole thing. The whole chapter is this thing, and at the end, you find out he was dreaming, and this was a dream, and it's really cool. And then the last verse of the chapter says this, and Jeremiah woke up feeling rested. Anybody else have small children? I've prayed to experience the Lord like this a few times. Like, come on, I'd love to wake up feeling rested. So all night, God is just downloading stuff into Jeremiah, like this prophetic vision. And he wakes up, he's like, ah, God, your presence is so good. I'd love to experience God like that. That sounds pretty good. Uh, Philip, he has these vision, this vision of God, and God brings this curtain down with animals on it, and he actually argues with God in that. Ah, that that's gutsy, you know what I mean? Like, come on, God, you're wrong. No? No one else wanted to argue with God? I've, I felt like I wanted to argue with God a few times. Paul, the Apostle Paul, of course, he has these crazy uh, experience. We, the famous one on the road to Damascus, God knocks him off a horse, then he goes blind. I'm not sure I'm in for that experience, but, you know, cool for him. But he also has a bunch of other ones. There's one, one little verse in Acts. It just says God stood by Paul all night long. I like that. 
Like, God was just standing beside him, hanging out with them all night. I want to experience God like that. Moses. Moses has tons of, like, radical experiences with God. My favorite, I think, he goes up on the, on the mountain and he gets the Ten Commandments. God makes them for him. And, and he spends 40 days up there. He doesn't eat, doesn't drink. He's just with God. And then he comes down the mountain and the, and the children of Israel are doing bad stuff. And he gets angry and he smashes the Ten Commandments. And then he doles out some punishment. Now he's like, shouldn't have smashed those things. I got to go back up and get some more. And he goes back up the mountain for 40 more days without eating and drinking. 80 days. Now, he might have had a snack when he came down. We're not told about that, but that's it. The implication is this, that the presence of God for Moses is sustaining. It's sustaining, like he's feeding off of it. He's living off the presence of God. I like that, man. I like it. On and on. Isaiah, all these characters, they have these incredible... John, when he writes the book of Revelation, he's on this island. He's just hanging out there. And at the, in Revelation chapter 1, as he's getting the book, it says that like a trumpet blast, the voice of God hits him from behind and knocks him to the ground. That's a cool experience. I wouldn't mind. I'm in for that one. And I start, like every single, David, David has these emotional, just deep, emotional experiences with God. As you read the Psalms, you're like, wow. And here's the truth. I sort of looked at those and thought, well, these are Bible characters. These are for like men and women of God, like real holy people. And I'm, I'm just serving you, God. I'm working hard for you. Like I, I would like that, but that's, that's just on a taste way over there. And here I am, trying really hard. And Jesus says, there's something better. Just sit here. You can experience me. So almost two years ago, we'd moved to Turkey. My life obviously had drastically changed. But not so much in the ways you're thinking, although in those ways it changed a bit too. But here's what really changed. I stopped being so busy because I only had one job. And when we moved there, my one job was this, learn Turkish. It's incredibly difficult, especially when your brain functions at the level that mine does. Okay? And so my only job was that. And it wasn't a job I particularly liked. And so I would try to look for things to be able to get out of that job. And so my morning devotions, to be honest, have had the same sort of devotional routine for about 10 years. And it works for me. I like it. So I just, that's what I do. And the routine didn't change. And so I'd do some Bible reading, and then I'd come into prayer, except my prayer time changed in that it was this. Instead of my list, here's all the things, God, you need to do. You need, it was like, well, after this, I have to go learn Turkish. And I don't really want to. So do you want to hang out? Because that sounds better than the next thing I have. And there was one day back in October, a year and a half ago, and I was just sitting in my apartment doing my devotion time. Let me, I don't want you to have this idea that there's this like just holy chamber in my house and there's incense in there and, and the presence of God just sort of fills that little room. And when I go, no, 
here's what it looks like. So I, I try to model devotions. I don't know if you guys do this or not, but I want my kids to watch me do devotions so they can kind of see how I meet with God. And so I just do it in my living room. I have a two-year-old son. At that point, he was one. And I had, at that point, an eight-year-old daughter. And so my devotions look chaotic. My son's favorite word at that point was the word punch. And he wouldn't just say the word. He would act out the word. Uh, so I was getting hit a lot. There would be, during my devotions, often stuffed animals hit me in the face. This is very normal. Okay, so this is what my, just so you get a picture. So I'm sitting there, it's October, and, and I'm praying. I've done my Bible reading time, and then I'm just praying. And I feel like my heart's like a mess. And so I've been praying this, God, can you come clean my heart? Like it's a mess. And all of a sudden, in this moment, the presence of God fills my room. Fills it. Not the knowledge of it, the experience of it. I feel him. He just comes into my living room. And, and I remembered, like when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I love worship and I like going for it. I can't sing, so if it's loud, it's better because then people aren't looking at me like, oh, that guy's terrible at this. But... I'm just going for it. I remember as a teenager going for it, and, and one time, like, my hands are raised, and, and my hands start tingling. And then I'm like, oh, man, my hands have been raised too long. And so I put my hands down. I'm just sort of doing this, like, oh, what is that? And it doesn't go away. And then I'm like, God, is this you? Are you, like, touching my life? And I remember that happening, like, four or five times as a teenager. And this day, back in October, the present, my, 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 my fingers start tingling. I'm just sitting there. I'm not like exuberantly worshiping. I'm just sitting on my couch. And my hands start tingling. I'm like, am I having a heart attack? No. And then there's been stuff kind of going on, and I've been praying for peace in my life. And all of a sudden, this peace that surpasses understanding just fills me. And I'm like, oh, oh, God. And I remembered, oh, yeah. This is what this is. This is God. This is, how could I have forgot how good this is? This is so amazing. And then the next morning I come back to my devotions and now it's totally different. I'm like, God, uh, do you remember yesterday? Uh, I know you know everything, but do you remember it? That was really good. Could we do that again? And the presence of God fills my living room. And I feel him. I feel him in my fingers. And I'm, I'm like, God, could I put my, like it feels like I've just like sort of pressed my fingers through this God barrier. This, I'm just trying to explain what it feels like to me. Different people, as we look at the Bible characters, feels different for them. And I'm like, could I put my hands further into that? And I feel like the presence of God. And then the next day was the same. I just feel the presence of God. And the next day I feel, and for a week I feel the presence of God. After the second week, every single day, just the presence of God filling my life, I start thinking this. What do I have to do to keep this? Because this is so good. I need to just work hard. I got to like, clean up my life more. I got to do that. And God spoke to me so clearly. He said this. He said, Danny, stop trying so hard. He's like, what did you ever do to deserve this two weeks ago? Nothing. It's like I just want to be with you. He said this, he said, I'm a good father. 
And I started thinking about that like a good father. If I'm a good father to my kids and I just told my wife, okay, you need to tell the kids how good I am, and then I just went away for their whole childhood, that would make me a terrible father. But a good father, as a good father, I play with my kids. I get down and I hug them. I love them. I play with them. I I take them to school. I do dad stuff. And, And God's like, I'm a good father. I'm not someone you should just know about. I'm someone you should experience. Stop trying so hard. Experience me. For a month, every day, the presence of God filled my room. In the second month, every single day. And then I start thinking this. I wonder if I could take the presence of God outside of my living room. I know he's everywhere. But I wonder if this thing would work. And so I'm on a bus. I'm in Istanbul. There, in Istanbul, there are mosques everywhere. From my, uh, from my windows in my house, I can see 16 mosques. And the call to prayer rings out from the mosques uh, five times a day. So it's a, again, it's a prayer culture. And I'm on a bus one day, and the call to prayer rings out. And you can just hear it across the city. So, of course, on the bus, you can hear it. And I'm sitting here, and then there's a man sitting here facing me. We're in those chairs that face each other. And he starts to pray. And when you pray, if you're Muslim, there's some actions that you do. It's very obvious that you're praying. And so he's doing the actions he's praying. And I start thinking, I should pray. And then I'm thinking, there's no. I should just invite God onto the bus. I wonder if he'd want to hang out with me here. And so I'm like, okay, God, like I'm just sitting on the bus. Do you want to hang out? And the presence of God fills the bus. I'm just experiencing God. Like I'm crying on the bus. I'm looking at this guy. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, God is here. Can you feel him? And he's like, I don't speak English. I'm like, it's too bad. This is really good. And then I'm like, I wonder if I could experience him in other places. Like, where could I? And so at one point, there was a coup attempt in the country of Turkey where the army tried to take over the government, and it failed. And the next couple weeks in the city, it was pretty intense. And there was kind of security everywhere, and they all had these big guns, and they had mean faces, and people were, like, tense. And to be honest with you, I was tense. And one day, I was walking past this group of of security men. They all had big guns. They were looking mean. And I was walking past them, and I thought, I wonder if I could experience God here. So I just stopped on the sidewalk, and I was like, well, God, do you want to hang out here? And the presence of God filled this sidewalk. This soldier comes up to me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just praying. I'm like, this is so good. Can I pray for you? And he's like, uh, okay. I'm like, yeah, because God is so good. Let me just pray for you because God wants to touch your life too. We just start praying on the sidewalk. One time I'd messed up a visa application thing, and I made a mistake. And because of that mistake, the country of Turkey said to me, you need to leave. You have 10 days to leave the country. And so we left the country, and then we had to apply for a new visa from outside the country. And we applied for that visa, and we were coming back into the country. We're at the airport, and I'm very nervous. We believe God wants us in this place. And so we're like, God, you have to get us back in. And the, the customs guy swipes my passport, and of course, then a big red thing flashes up, like, this man can't come in. And he's like, oh, no, you don't. And now I have to go to the bowels of the airport with all these security. And they're yelling at me. And my Turkish is a bit better at this point, but in heightened circumstances, it's not great. And so he's yelling at me. And I'm like, I don't know. 
And at one point, he's like, you have to leave Turkey. And now I'm freaking out again. I'm like, oh, man, I feel like I'm supposed to stay. And then he goes and he starts typing on the computer and doing some looking up stuff, and it's silent in the room. And I thought this. God, do you want to hang out here? And I just began to pray. I said, God, I got time. This guy's just going to keep yelling at me. How about your presence come fill this? And the presence of God, I'm not kidding, the presence of God fills this place like I'm experiencing God. And now you know what? It doesn't matter what this man says to me. Like if he says to me, you can't stay, you have to leave, I'm like, that's okay. Do you know why? Because the presence of God is going to go with me. And if he's like, you can come into Turkey, I'm like, great. Do you know why? Not because I'm going in on my own, but because God is going to come with me. The, the end result of the whole thing didn't even matter. And now he did let us come in, pray the Lord. But again, the whole point was God was with us. A few times, I even experienced the presence of the Lord in church. I believe God is a good father. I believe a good father loves on his kids. And that means we should experience him. We should feel him, feel his presence. I want to tell you this has changed every way I talk about God. See, before I went to Turkey, I'd learned a bunch of apologetics about how to talk to Islamic people about Christ. And those things are fine, but the truth of that is, I did that for me so I could make myself sound smart. And now... I just sit in a coffee shop with my friend and I'll say something like this. You know what? This morning in my prayer time, God was there. You know what? He loves you and he wants to touch your life. Do you want that? And almost all my Muslim friends are like, yes, I do. And then I'm like, well, can we pray right here? And we just start to pray. And evangelism has changed so much because now it's not about me. It's about the presence of God showing up. It's just about him and his good fatherness coming into this place saying, I want you as my child. I started wondering this. Have you ever heard someone say this? You know, everyone goes through valleys. Everyone goes through deserts. You're going to go through dry times with God. I, I want to tell you for the last year and a half, every single day I've experienced the presence of God. I mean experienced it. And I started wondering this, like, I don't want to go through a dry time. That seems terrible to me. Like, this is so good. And I, I found these verses. You want to go to the next slide? Genesis uh, chapter 5 and 6, talking about Enoch and talking about Noah. Look at this one in Enoch. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Like, the implication is that his entire life, he was close with God. He never went through a dry time. And, and the reason we all say that, the reason we hear it is because if I ask this room, have you ever gone through a dry time with, with God? The answer would be yes. I, I, I reckon every single one of us would say, yeah, I've gone through dry times with God. But the reason that that's a horrible thought is because you don't have to. We, the, the reason I'm in a dry time with God is because I haven't taken the time to experience his presence. I'm too busy for him. 
And Jesus is like, there's something better. Knock, and I will open the door. Seek, and you will find me. You want to experience me? It's here. Noah the same. You want to go to the next one? The next one's about Noah. You guys, can I get the band to come up? I'm, I'm almost done here. Noah's the same. Look at this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. The implication is his entire life, he walked in fellowship with his good father. This is attainable. As a good father, this is what he wants for your life. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to experience him. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to take five minutes. We're going to get the band just to play something really soft. What they're playing doesn't matter. I want to tell you where you are doesn't matter. God's going to show up here because he's great. But it's no different than your house or your car or Tim Hortons. Because God is there. He wants you to experience him. And here's what we're, I'm just going to pray really quick. I'm going to pray that God would show up here. And we're going to take five minutes just in silence. And just ask God to touch our lives. And I believe two things are going to happen. One, I believe some of you are going to experience profoundly the presence of God this morning. And for some of you, it's going to trigger a thought like when, like years ago when you experience him and it's going to feel like that. And you're going to be like, oh yeah, how could I forget how good this was? And God's just going to be saying, this, is, this can be every day if you want it. Every single day. And the second thing I believe that's going to happen is this. I believe some of you are going to feel nothing. You're not going to feel God at all. And I want to tell you this, Jesus made a promise to you. If you seek me, you'll find me. He doesn't say how long you got to seek for. He says, if you knock, I will open the door. He doesn't say, just knock once. I don't know how many knocks this is going to take for you, but if you keep trying this, if you just say, I'm going to take five minutes, God, and invite your presence into my life, I promise you, at some point, you will experience God. And this will just start a pattern of experiencing the presence of God, which I believe should be the normal pattern for our Christian lives. If you're not a Christian here this morning, we're going to do this just for five minutes. I want you to do this. God, if this stuff's real, can you touch my life? I think you will. Let's pray.